Hi folks, this is Ron Longwell, and I'm glad you're here today for another edition of the Jesus Society Podcast, a conversation exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the kingdom of God. Today is May 25th, uh, 2020, or at least it will be when, uh, when you hear this, uh, at least when it's posted. Um, this is episode 13. Uh, no, sorry, this is episode 14 of the Jesus Society Podcast. Um, I want to say we, uh, we started our, our uh, Facebook group um, last week, and we've already got a whole bunch of members, um, so we've had a, had a little bit of a discussion just kind of getting things going uh, there. So um, I would encourage you, if you're a listener, uh, to become part of this community. My intent for the Facebook group is that this is a kind of a, a gathering place for uh, those of us who are on a different kind of journey with God uh, than maybe the one we've been on for a while. Um, trying to really grow closer to him, trying to lean into him, trying to keep his word uh, central to what we do. Um, but um, uh, there's a lot of people feeling like they want to be closer to God and they don't, uh, frankly, they don't feel like their ch- churches are giving that to them or helping them get there. So I'm, I'm just hoping this, this, um, this group will be kind of a community of sorts where we can support each other learn from each other, share with each other, and, and grow together um, because we're all aiming the same, uh, the same direction. So look for us there. Um, look for the Jesus Society podcast. You can do a search for it. It's a private group, so uh, nothing you, you post there will um, be able to be seen by the world at large, um, which means you'll have, to, you'll have to ask, I think, to, to be a member there. But we, at the moment, we're proving, proving everybody, so... Um, just uh, look for us and you'll find us. Um, I think you'll, uh, you'll uh, enjoy being a part of that there. We've been talking for the last few weeks about uh, learning to live in intimacy with the Father and learning to live in the, in the reality of His love for us. I think, I think it is the most important part of our transformation, um, learning that um, God is an engaged presence in our lives, and we can we can engage with Him uh, in a meaningful way. And our transformation is essential if we're going to be salt and light to the world around us, and and bear the image of God to our world. We, we've got to we've got to get past some of our stuff. We've got to grow. We've got to be different people, right? But the thing that will derail all of that quicker than anything, in my opinion and in my experience, is pain and suffering. In Psalm 10, verse 1, the psalmist asks a a familiar question. Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Well, if you have lived very long in this world as an adult, uh, you understand that question because it certainly feels at times that God does kind of hide himself in the midst of trouble. The, the hard, cold reality of life with God is that he doesn't always do what we think he should or in the way that we think he should or when we think he should. He doesn't often seem to prevent disaster 
or heartache or pain or abuse or death. People, even good people, even God's people, suffer in this world at the hands of others. And sometimes we just seem to suffer at the hands of life itself. And the fact that God doesn't often seem to prevent that pain has caused every generation of Christians and non-Christians to to question his power or his love or even his very existence, including me. Why? Where are you, God? Why, Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Those are hard questions. And we often ask them in the darkest moments of our lives, in the midst of crushing pain or or desperate fear. Well, I I don't have any easy answers um, today, but I have been wrestling with these questions for a long, long time. And my wrestling has not been uh, an, an abstract academic exercise. It has been because... I have spent a good deal of time in the midst of miseries of my own, uh, the kinds of things that would prompt questions like the psalmist asks. So I understand the questions because I understand where they come from. And as I've been asking these questions, I have been asking them to the Lord, um, as the psalmist did, which is always the right thing to do. A father is not afraid of questions like this, by the way. It is, it is okay to ask him the hard stuff. Um, Job certainly did. Just read through the book of Job sometimes and look at, look at the way Job talks to God. Um, you, you know, you read through that and you think, geez, Job, you're, you're going to get smoked. But he doesn't get smoked. In fact, at the end, he gets blessed. So God can handle this. He can handle our questions. He's not afraid from it. He's not intimidated by it. He's not angry when we ask this stuff. It doesn't, to ask these questions does not reflect a lack of trust, okay, Um, that we sometimes think, well, this isn't very faithful if if I'm questioning God like this. God can handle the questions, okay? Um. Well, for me, God's answers have been slow in coming, and maybe they don't even qualify as answers as much as insights. And I suspect that the slowness has had more to do with my capacity to absorb new perspectives than with reluctance on the part of God. But here's what I'm beginning to see about all this. The hard truth is that we just live in a fallen, broken messed up world, um, a world filled with people who don't trust God. And because they don't trust God or follow God, and sometimes even when they do, um, they're, they're, they're driven by their own desires. They're governed by their own twisted values, uh, unredeemed ideologies, and, and desperate fears. Ever since Adam and Eve made the choice to trust something other than the Father, the rest of humanity has largely followed suit. And all of those twisted, broken desires and allegiances and habits and passions are so interwoven into the fabric of humanity, including in in you and in me. 
that it has created a, a world of treachery and deceit and betrayal and hurt, and we all suffer because of it. And what I'm beginning to see is that for the Father to fix all of that, to, to totally eliminate the possibility of pain and suffering and misery, he'd have to destroy it all. Um, the earth and everyone in it. It's like, you know, when we first moved here um, to, to this part of Tennessee, we, we tried to put in a garden and, and it, was, it was disaster. The first year was disaster. I've got, it got overrun with weeds and I didn't stay ahead of it, and and it just got overrun. And you know, there's a point in gardening where you get enough weeds that have firmly established themselves, you can't, you just can't salvage it without destroying all the th- things you want in your garden, right? Um, it, and and you know, God's destruction of everything will will happen one day. Um, but in the in the meantime, the world is allowed to continue humming along as is. Uh, the parable of the wheat and the weeds in Matthew 13, uh, 24 through 30, is really, really, really helpful here. Um, and we're not going to look at that, but I, you know, read it. It's it's helpful to kind of understand this. God, God can't fix all this without just cleaning the slate, and He's not ready to do that yet. But the truth, I'm afraid, is that as long as we live in this broken, twisted world, we will have pain and misery and heartache. Sickness and, and death seem to be a, a part of this world, um, and it touches all of us. We will also occasionally experience treachery and betrayal and violence at the hands of others. That has been true since the dawn of time, and it doesn't look like it's going to change soon. And, and often, frankly, we will experience pain that we have no idea where it came from. But here's the thing. This really shouldn't surprise us. The Bible is, is really clear in reminding us that pain is a, is a part of life. The psalmist knew this, of course, and, and said, matter-of-factly, in Psalm 90, verse 10, Our days may come to 70 years or or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are trouble and sorrow. And it's why James tells us in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, to consider it joy, great joy, brothers and sisters, when you experience various trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Even Jesus himself said as much. He said very in the, in the plainest statement in the whole Bible about all this. He says, in this world you will have trouble, John 16, 33. And in fact, he says some of these folks are going to hurt you uh, because they think that they're doing it for God, John 16, 2. That's the truth. That is the reality in which we live. And for some of us, that is hard to accept. And here's why we struggle with that, folks. Here's why. If we're honest, and we better be honest, we struggle with this because most of us were taught to believe in a God who spares us from trouble, a God who puts a shield around us as his people. 
We were taught to believe that as Christians, we have um, an arrangement with God. We remain faithful, and He makes our lives easy and, for the most part, pain-free. And if we're honest with ourselves, deep down in the deepest parts of our soul, that's kind of the God we expect. We We do not expect a God that says to us, in this life, you will have trouble. We don't expect a God who allows evil to live tethered to our very roots because to destroy it would mean to destroy us. And so in our misery and our pain, we cry out to God, asking Him, begging Him to do something that He is not yet prepared to do. And when He doesn't, we feel betrayed by the very God we serve. And as we try to make sense of his inaction in our, in our hurt, we sometimes level accusations at him. Impotent, we cry. Unloving. Distant. This is it's kind of gloomy, isn't it? <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean this to all be gloomy. I, I, I want it to be helpful. So I'd like to suggest a different reality here. What the Father has shown my own reluctant heart, and and what I now believe to be clearly borne out by Scripture, is that He loves me desperately. And in my pain, He hurts with me. And when I'm at my own end, the power of that he will eagerly execute on my behalf is to strengthen me in my inner being with a renewed sense of his love. That We talked about that last week. That was last week. If you want a full, a full explanation of that, see uh, episode 13. And while God doesn't change the circumstances that, that bring us pain, he will change us through his love and by his power, making us equal to the pain, strong in the face of it. The, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, is a phrase that Paul uses in Philippians 4, um, verses 6 through 8. That's an interesting phrase. And I want you to think about it for a minute. The, the kind of peace, what, what kind of peace transcends all understanding? What does that kind of peace look like? Well, I'll tell you what it doesn't look like. That kind of peace that transcends all understanding is not the peace that comes when circumstances are pleasant and life is easy and everything is going my way. That kind of peace isn't hard to understand at all. And so this is is not a promise that God is going to change my circumstances and, and, and quell the assaulting forces so that in their absence I can have peace. No, the, the, the peace that transcends all understanding is, that, is the peace that envelops us in spite of our circumstances. It, it is peace in the midst of pain. Peace while enduring injustice. Peace when overcome with grief. Peace in the midst of fear. And that, my friends, is not something that we can just conjure up on our own. 
or manufacture on demand through the force of our own will. That kind of peace requires the involvement and sustaining of a God who we have come to know personally. A God whose deep and abiding love we've experienced and who meets us in the midst of pain and does his sustaining and his strengthening right there. What I have learned in life is that suffering comes. It just does. And the only way that suffering makes any sense is in coming to the point where you can say, okay, God, my joy in being complete is not tied to having a pain-free life. It is not tied to the response of another person, even if they've betrayed me. Billy Graham uh, said it this way. He said, suffering is part of the human condition, and it comes to us all. The key is how we react to it, either turning away from God in anger and bitterness or growing closer to him in trust and confidence. And another thing about all this, nowhere in my own conversations with God about my own hurt and pain have I ever sensed that God wanted to help me sort out why it happened. But that is often where we spend 80% of our time and effort. Why, 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 we ask. And when I, when I take all of that off the table and, and, and accept the pain that comes my way and learn to, to embrace God in the midst of that, then and only then do I begin to find peace. And understand, we're not talking about... Um, we're not talking about running away from our pain, um, but embracing God in the midst of the tears. So what I tell people now is to find a way to let God embrace you and you embrace him inside that place of hurt. Instead of pulling away from him and, and feeling the, the, the mistaken belief um, uh, feeding the mistaken belief that he's caused it or that he doesn't care. Lean into him when it hurts. Search for him. Grasp for him. Because all the, all the wrestling, all the, all the trying to figure everything out, all of that just slams the door on connection with God. I mean, God can be right there trying to hold us and we can't see it. If, if I've got to make sense of it all before I can deal with it, it is really, really, really going to be hard to find a way to behold him and to find a grace that's bigger than all that. I, I used to ask God why all the time, but, but really, for the most part, that has, has just not been part of my prayer life for a long time now. Most of the time, I don't really even have much of a curiosity anymore. And what, what I have found is that when I don't waste all my energy and mental reserves asking that question, I can begin to ask the much, much more important question. Father, where are you in the midst of this? And where, you, where do you want to lead me from here? 
But when we're whining about it, God is probably going to just wait out our whining and our, and our painful anxiety until we get to the point of surrender that comes after we have exhausted all that and get to the point where we really want him. It is a great and powerful and positive thing when I surrender to God in the midst of whatever I'm facing and not try to understand it or to change it or or try to change him. I wish I knew who said this, but I, but I, I don't. Um, but I've, I've remembered it since I heard it a few years ago. Our faith begins at the point where atheists suppose it must end. Our faith begins at the point where atheists suppose it must end. So in other words, right at the point where where we um, feel d- desperate and crushed and, and, and oppressed and overwhelmed, and the atheists are saying, yeah, where's your God now, right? And, and they expect us to just cave, and that's where faith starts. Like, we really don't need much faith when everything is rolling along wonderfully. It is the place where everybody expects us to, to, to turn our backs on God that's where faith starts. And you don't, here's the thing, you don't, um, it's, it's like battle. I heard somebody say this one time. The, 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 um, what you need in the midst of the battle, battle, you don't acquire in the battle. You bring to the battle. Like you've acquired it earlier, right? So the, the faith you need in the midst of those really, really hard times, you don't acquire that kind of faith there. You, you acquire that earlier and you bring it with you, okay? I think there's, there's some truth to that. Well, how does this work exactly? Um, there's, a, there's a helpful verse in Romans uh, chapter 5, a couple of verses, that I think are, are, are useful. So, uh, so I'm going to read this and we're going to kind of break it down just a little bit here. Um, Paul says, uh, Romans 5, verses 3 through 5, he says, We also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So how's this work? Well, let me get a sip of coffee and then we'll talk about it. So let's break this down. He says first that affliction, we can rejoice in our afflictions because affliction produces endurance. Okay, so how does that work? Well, we, we learn, hopefully, that when affliction comes, the, the only thing to, to, to do is to endure it. Not to, not to lash out, not to get bitter, but to just get through it. Some, that's a that's a valuable discipline, okay? Um, that is endurance. Just saying, okay, this, this isn't going to change. I just need to I need to get through this, and I need to not I need to do it in a way that doesn't um, 
violate some of my own convictions, right? That's endurance. Do that once and, it, and it's hard. But get through that and it makes, makes it easier next time, right? Like you, you, you have some endurance now. And the next time it comes, you can say, I've done this. Like I, can, I can do this. I can do this again. So he goes on to say, endurance then produces proven character. Well, how does that work? Well, when you, when you learn to endure something um, without becoming vindictive or vengeful or without lashing out or without violating in whatever way your, your convictions about what it means to be holy and righteous and, and Christ-like, right? When you, when you learn to endure without any of that, you're, you're developing character, a character which says, I'm not going to let this affliction turn me into somebody that I don't want to be. Okay? And you, and you, like you develop a, a, a resoluteness about your core values that says, I'm not, I'm not going to change. So Paul then says that proven character produces hope. So how does that work? Well, you think about it. Once you come through it, and you see that God has brought you through it intact, um, and you've retained your character, you're victorious. You've won. Pain and, and affliction and misery has not beaten you. And if you do that, you know you can do that again. You know that you are now largely immune to the pain and the affliction and the discomfort. Not that you'll ever enjoy it. It's not what we're saying. But you know it won't crush you. You have, you have risen above it by riding on God's wings. And notice that Paul says, hope then doesn't disappoint us. Well, why not? Because, he says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We've talked about that, right? There is, a, there is a security that comes from living loved. And living that way will never disappoint you. You will never get to the end of that and think, well, that wasn't worth it. <laughs> no, you won't. As I, as I keep saying, and, I, and I just, this is just one of my little mantras, you will never obey one who you do not trust. And you will never trust one whom you're not convinced loves you absolutely. And the Father loves you absolutely. Um, Rick Warren, and, and I, don't, I don't quote Rick Warren a lot, but um, he, sometimes he says some really good things. Um, he suggests that um, when we're in the midst of, of pain and difficulty, we, we follow Job's plan um, when we don't understand what is happening in our lives. And and when God is silent. And it's really not a bad plan, okay? Um, and so you can, you can read Job, and you, you kind of see this, right? First, tell God exactly how you feel. Hold nothing back. Yell and scream and cry if you have to, but be honest with God, okay? Bring, bring all that darkness out into the light where, where the sun can sanitize it. Get it out in the open. Tell God exactly how you feel about it. God can take it, okay? 
Secondly, remember who God is. Remind yourself of his unchanging nature and of his love for you. Remind yourselves that all things work together for the good of those who love him, as Paul says in Romans 8.28. Remember who God is. Um, Thirdly, trust God to keep his promises. Lean into him. Let, Let him be your rock and your fortress and, and let go of the idea that that has to look a certain way, okay? Let it look the way it looks, okay? Let, let God define um, what his providence looks like in the midst of that for you, okay? And then finally, remember what God has already done for you. If God has carried you through something before, it is, it is proof that he'll do it again. When you, when you feel abandoned by God and yet you continue to trust him in spite of your feelings, you worship God in the deepest way. So, so talk to God like this, something like this. Father, when I, when I don't hear your voice or feel your presence, help me to seek you. Not just a feeling, but you. Then, Help me remember your promise that you will never leave me or forsake me. Uh, Thomas Merton was a, uh, a Trappist monk who, who wrote uh, extensively about contemplative prayer. Um, lots, of, lots of good stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of a Thomas Merton fan, although I've not read nearly as much of him as I would like to. But Thomas Merton left us a prayer for times like this that I really like. And here, here's, here's how it goes. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I'm actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, will I trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Hmm. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Um, one more thing I want to add to, to, to as a piece of all this, and and I confess this this is really important, but I confess that it is something I would have totally forgotten to put in here, um, and and mention it, except for the fact that one of our listeners brought this up in our Facebook group this week in, in a discussion we were having about all this. And so I'm going to read you his words because they're better than mine, okay? He said this, I was never able to truly experience God's healing grace 
until I was able to share my pain in a safe setting of fellow brothers, yes, gender-specific, that would listen to me and love me without judgment while still encouraging me to be responsible for my own malevolence. God works through his people. Intellectually, this is something that I've known my entire life, but I've never felt it until I was able to participate in what I just described. I still struggle with missing the mark, and I still feel the pains of living in a broken, fallen world. But now I have a family with whom I can share my pain, and it has made all the difference. My word is that good. <laughs> you know, we're, the, the, one of the greatest blessings of, of the Christian faith is that God doesn't ask us to go through this alone. He expects us to, to be walking with other people. Um, now, I, you know, I, I grew up in, in, in churches and spent a lot of time in churches where, where we didn't always have the kind of relationships where I felt like I could just really empty my heart with, with you know, we, we do this thing in churches a lot, and it, and it drives me crazy, and I'm going to go on a rant here if I'm not careful, you know, we go to church and we and and somebody says, "How you doing?" And what's the answer you're supposed to give? You're supposed to say, "Fine." And you may be anything but fine. But that's not that's not the answer you give because deep down you know most of the time that's not the answer people want to hear. Right? So we we hide in church way too often and we don't we don't um People don't know what we're going through. And that is not, that is not the kind of Christianity God gave us. He expects us to walk with each other, to bear one another's burdens, to lift us up, lift us up when we, when we uh, fall, and for us to lift them up when they fall or when they doubt or when they're afraid. or like <sighs> Suffering and misery come, but I don't know how you do this anymore if you're only trying to do it by yourself. So my, my friend is right in this, in this comment that he made on Facebook, on our Facebook group. We've got to have some people we can, do, we can walk through this with, some people that will hold our hand and, and carry us through when we may not have the, the, the heart to carry it through ourselves. Okay, So don't, don't try to do the misery thing alone. Okay? All right, I want to I want to wrap this up today with a couple of quotes and a song um, that I think um, actually one quote and a song that I think capture really well. We've I've had a few quotes already in this, but um, that I think capture really well this idea of, of leaning into the Father in the midst of chaos and pain and hurt. And this is one um, one of my one of my professors um, that I had in seminary, um, John Mark Hicks. Some of you may know John Mark lives in Nashville, um, teaches at Lipscomb University. He put this on his Facebook uh, post um, on, on his on his page just the other day, and I thought, boy, does this fit? Okay, so I don't I don't know who this guy is. Uh, I'm going to try to give you his name, and I'm go- I'm no I'm going to mispronounce it. Um, Francois Xavier Nagayan Van Tuan. Okay, um, he died in 2002. He was Archbishop of Saigon in Vietnam. Okay, um, 
according to uh, John Mark Hicks, he spent 13 years in a concentration camp. Um, nine of those years, nine years, nine years, he spent in solitude. And that, I, I just can't imagine. But he said this, along this road you're traveling, you will encounter thorns and brambles, tigers and other wild animals, as well as fragrant roses and beautiful views. There will be kind friends and treacherous enemies, times of soft rainfall and times of scorching sun. Be ready for both, the pleasant and the unpleasant. And whatever comes, keep going forward, filled with the Spirit of the Lord. Do not stop. Do not hesitate for fear of criticism. Do not search for praise. Boy, is that good. That is good advice. And then finally, um, one of my one of my all-time favorite songs that still brings tears to my eyes every time I listen to it. It is called Gratitude uh, by Nicole Nordeman. And I would love to play it here. Um, and I know other people put songs in their podcasts, but my son works in the music industry and he assures me that to, to try to put a commercial song in a, in a podcast is a violation of copyright law. law. And I, I believe him, so I'm not going to do that. I can't. I, boy, do I wish I could. Fortunately, Nicole Norderman has it on her YouTube channel. She has a little video of the song. And so I'm going to include a link to it in today's show notes. I will also post it in our Facebook group and on our website, which I'm going to talk about our website in a minute. But please, please, please take the time to listen to this song. If you don't do anything else, listen to this song. You will be standing on holy ground when you listen to this song, Gratitude by Nicole Nordeman. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you will be back with us next week um, for another episode. Uh, We would appreciate it if you'd tell others about the podcast. Um, If you enjoy the show, Please subscribe, rate, and review us on uh, iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you go to get your podcasts. Um, I'd encourage you to visit our website. Um, One of the things that happens with uh, iTunes, for example, is after you get so many podcasts up, the older ones kind of disappear. We're not anywhere near that yet. But I've got a website, and it is um, thejesussociety.com, thejesussociety.com. Um, which we've just launched, and the um, the podcast episodes will be there forever. Okay, all of them, uh, as long as I keep paying my monthly uh, my monthly podcast hosting bill. <laughs> um, so um, please uh, visit that. Um, we're going to be building out this website and have some other resources and some other stuff um, in addition to the podcast episodes. Um, but visit us there. Um, also, um, again, please join and be part of the conversation on our new Facebook group. Thanks for listening. And I hope you'll be back. And remember, you are unbelievably loved.